You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining us this evening from the frozen tundra of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I know that's Green Bay, but, but Will, it's like the f- frozen tundra up there tonight, right? Yeah, it's like a, we're way tougher than those Green Bay softies. And I'm here, and I'm excited about tonight's show. Looking at the back of these, this ADP and what's happened in between those years, I think we're going to have – it's going to be some good stuff to, to you know, think about in the future. That's right. We're going to look at ADP um, January – 2016 versus January 2019. But first, let's introduce Trey Barrett from North Carolina. Trey, what's going on? What's up, man? I'm pretty excited to uh, talk about some of these players and uh, just some general dynasty. I man, I think that I, I my mind is is being molded and shaped, uh, and I think that there's going to be some interesting things that come out of our discussion. So I'm looking forward to diving diving in. Me too. Um, I am at Roto Librarian, Rand Livergood. I am in Chicago, also pretty cold here. But what's not going to be cold is this episode. It's going to be hot because we're going to talk about ADP, comparing January 2016 ADP versus January 2019 ADP. Let's jump right into it. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. You down, you with, down ADP? with ADP? No, no, not me. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Who's down, down with, ADP? with ADP? Everybody. <laughs> not the Twitter me. And here we can do the. Remember, I need to find that that. Um, remember when we did that? You down with ADP? You know, remember that song we did that? <laughs> I need. Yeah, I need to. Find, I need to find that and put that in on the show because that was that was awesome. All right, so. Uh, basically what we did is we went to DLF and we took their January, 2016 ADP and we cross-referenced it with today's ADP, January, 2019 ADP. And it was very interesting comparing the two. And we're going to, we're going to look at, first of all, just the top 12 overall picks from January, 2016. So get in your TARDIS, get in your DeLorean, make sure the flex capacitor is working and let's go. So let's go back to January, 2016. The number one overall pick was Odell Beckham Jr. Number two, Antonio Brown. Number three, Julio Jones. Number four, DeAndre Hopkins. Number five, Amari Cooper. And number six, Allen Robinson. It's very heavy. Six wide receivers off the board. The number seven, you've got Rob Gronkowski. Number eight, Todd Gurley, first running back off the board. Number nine, A.J. Green. Number 10, Des Bryant. Remember him? Number 11, Le'Veon Bell, and number 12, Mike Evans. That's your top 12 ADP in January 2016. Now, fast forward today, gentlemen, to ADP. It's quite different. You've got this guy, Saquon Barkley. He wasn't even in the league then. He's your number one overall player. Uh, Number two, Todd Gurley. There's a familiar name. As is number three, DeAndre Hopkins. Then you've got a bunch of newcomers. Christian McCaffrey at number four. Zeke at number five. Alvin Kamara at number six. Michael Thomas at number seven. Odell Beckham again. Now he's at number eight. Melvin Gordon at number nine. Devontae Adams at 10. Tyreek Hill at 11. And Juju Smith-Schuster at 12. A lot of newcomers. So guys, what jumps out at you? I mean, it's kind of amazing when we look just three years ago at this ADP because I think a lot of times when you draft those guys in the top 12, you expect them to be there for a long, long time. In a startup, it's a core player on your team, right? So, so Will, anything that jumps out at you looking at this top 12, how, how it's changed? Well, I think the first thing that jumped out to me was the 
the variance that you have in 2019 versus 2016 in general consensus, if you looked at average draft position for what they were pulling from, you get a much bigger jump uh, after the first two picks, even if from even from one to two. Uh, it, it's we are very concrete in some in the, those early views right now, and by early views, I just mean Saquon Barkley uh, versus back in 2016. Uh, we had a wide receivers, and the, the waters were a lot more muddy when it came to the top six than it did than it was now. Also, Trey, one of the things about um, 2016 is that we didn't have the number of these younger elite running backs in the league. I mean, there were, if, we we talked about this before we started recording. The 2017-2018 rookie draft classes were, were pretty phenomenal, especially with a lot of running backs. So what, what sticks out to you, Trey? I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that <clears throat> when you look at like the top 19, right, that's kind of a random number, but I've got these guys color-coded. Out of the top 19, there were only three players taken that were not wide receivers in 2016. Okay, so 16 of the first 19 picks contrast that, you know, fast forward here to 2019 and you've got, it looks like 10 and they're all running backs. So I think we're seeing this transition and, and I think, you know, man, I have always been a proponent of taking stud wide receivers early in dynasty startups. And I know we're going to dig in a little bit tonight and look at look at that a little more in depth. You mentioned the influx of the stud running backs, uh, but I think we just need to be reminded, you know, at, at the, three years ago, Devonta Freeman was 23 years old, was just coming off an RB1, overall RB1 performance. And so he went RB3 as the 21st pick overall. And I think anyone that has owned Devonta Freeman the last three seasons since that RB1 season that invested in him and him at that draft capital would tell you that they have some regrets. So I, I'm going to be very interested. I, I'm not saying that you're going to regret taking Barkley 101 or Gar- Gurley 102. I, I'm, I just think that it's going to be very interesting three years from right now in January of 2022 to look back at this ADP and see all of the things that we thought we knew, um, but, but really didn't. Yeah, Freeman right now, if you're wondering, he has an ADP in 2019 of 58. So he went from 21 to 58 in just three years. All right, guys, so we're going to jump into the basically 13 through 24. I'm not going to put this information in the, in the show notes because this is DLF proprietary content. So I encourage you, if you want to see this, to get a subscription to DLF. And it, I mean, you should do that. If, if you're playing Dynasty and you're not subscribed to DLF, then you're not doing it right. Okay. January 2016 ADP. Let's start uh, with the number 13. Uh, so we're, we're leaving the top 12, going to uh, 13 through 24. You got Demarius Thomas, 14, Alshon Jeffrey, 15, Sammy Watkins, 16, Keenan Allen, 17, Brandon Cooks, 18, Randall Cobb, 19, Martavis Bryant, oh, another one. <laughs> uh, number 20, David Johnson, number 21, the aforementioned Devonta Freeman, Number 22, Andrew Luck. Number 23, Jarvis Landry. And number 24, Jordan Matthews. So very interesting to compare that list to 2019. A lot of names there, 13 through 24, of guys that are really outside of the top 100 ADP, frankly. But today, at number 13, you've got Antonio Brown. Then at 14, Mike Evans. 
Number 15, Nick Chubb. Number 16, Joe Mixon. Number 17, David Johnson. Number 18, James Conner. 19, Keenan Allen. Number 20, Le'Veon Bell. 21, Julio Jones. 22, Travis Kelsey. 23, Stephon Diggs. And 24, Adam Thielen. And um, it's notable to mention that Amari Cooper comes in at 25 on this list and Brandon Cook's 26 since they've been mentioned before. So what strikes you now, gentlemen? Well, what, what do you think comparing these guys 13 through 24? A, a lot of guys that you might have drafted um, in the second round three years ago that you really regret at this point, right? Yeah, the, the, the second round of 2016, is uh, there's, there's definitely some, some messes there. One thing that really sticks out to me is the value of character issues. And even as we go down the list, you kind of run into that a little bit more with some high upside players that actually didn't either have good work ethics or were just poor characters off the field. And now they're no longer, they're, they're no longer a part of the, of what we're, of what we're drafting. And I, I typically don't value that very high, but this is a very eye opening experience too. Don't underweight what you believe in a player and what they're able to do off the field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's interesting that Martavis Bryant, um, you know, I, I kind of forgot about that. I mean, number 19, Trey, just three years ago. And now he's easily outside the top 100. What, what strikes you, Trey, b- between this list, 13 through 24? Well, what strikes me, and, and I'm going to revisit this when we, uh, because the, the three guys that I want to highlight are in the 2019, but there's quite a few guys um, Demarius Thomas is a great example. You know, uh, you fast forward or rewind. I, rewind is going backwards. Back to the future. You know, go back to 2016 and uh, Demarius Thomas at the age of 28, right? That doesn't seem too old for a wide receiver. But, man, you know, dynasty is a long game. So if you look just three years down the road, I mean, Demarius Thomas, I don't know that he has hardly any value right now in dynasty and to spend – the 201, I mean, that is immense uh, investment. And so I look at three guys that are in the second round of, of startup ADP right now, and Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Adam Thielen. And I see three guys that I, I mean, I, literally, if I'm on the clock at the 404 in a dynasty startup and these guys are available, I'm not taking them. Like, I just do not want to invest a top five round startup pick in these assets and I know that they're going to produce and I know you know people are going to say what do you not like winning but the the cliff is going to come quickly for these guys and so I just see you know right after Antonio Brown I see Mike Evans five years younger right after Julio Jones two spots down I see Stephon Diggs I see Amari Cooper and Brandon Cooks right after Adam Thielen I see guys that can produce similarly maybe you know 75 or 80 percent production but they're four and five years younger. So I, I just, to me, those are the names that stand out that when we look ahead, I think when we look ahead, you know, 12 and 18 months, all three of those guys will have fallen precipitously. I know everybody thinks Antonio Brown's going to play to his 35, but, you know, I, I just, numbers, the numbers don't lie. As the oldest guy on the show, I really resent this, Trey. What is your problem with these older players? I mean, come on. Antonio Brown's going to be like Jerry Rice. He's going to play well into his 30s. He's going to produce for five, six, seven more years. And we're going to be like, in your face, Trey. 
No, I'm just kidding. I, I agree with you. And I, I think that's a dangerous narrative, right? That we hear that a lot. Like, well, guys like Antonio Brown, they're really elite ones. They're going to play. He's going to be like uh, Larry Fitzgerald, right? Uh, he's going to c- continue to play and produce well into his 30s. And I think that's dangerous. Are there outliers? Sure. But th- this is a good example of it. Like the Demaryius Thomases of the world. Um, you know, why take the chance? Like you, like you say, I mean, if a guy is going to produce similarly, and I know you could say when you're comparing Antonio Brown versus Mike Evans, well, I think Antonio Brown is going to greatly outproduce Mike Evans in the next couple of years, but, but it's close and you get five more years of Mike Evans versus Antonio Brown. So I, I think that's a great observation. I think guys, what I want to do is, is we're, we're, you know, we're just going to stick to the top 24 and I want to, you know, move into some comparisons of 2016 versus 2019, because I found this really interesting. Um, first of all, eight of the top 12 and 11 of the top 24 from 2016 remain in the top 24 in 2019. So um, I, I guess it's kind of impressive that eight of the top 12 are still in there. Um, but 11 of the top 24, you kind of think in a startup draft, you, you, you're drafting those first and second round guys, they're going to be around for a long time, but only 11 of the top 24. I thought that was fascinating. Then when you dig a little deeper, here's a breakdown. I did the top 26 because I wanted to include um, Brandon Cooks and who was, who was the other guy there? I wanted to include Amari Cooper and Brandon Cooks when we, we looked at this. So top 26 breakdown. Guys that were in the top 12 both years, only three. Guys that were in the top 26 uh, both years, um, I think this is actually 13 through 26, seven. But then you look at it, guys, rookies, new players, 10 rookies or new players are in the top 26, just three years, you know, 2016 versus 2019. And then you only had five risers, five guys that were in 2016 ADP that rise, you know, from, from lower positions up to the top 26. Uh, those risers were Melvin Gordon, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs, and uh, Adam Thielen. So, you know, guys, I, I wanted to talk about this, particularly the the number of, of rookies and new players. I mean, 10 new players out of the top 26. And I think that, well, a couple of things. Number one, we know that those rookie classes in 2017 and 2018 contribute to this because they had some amazing players, a lot of stud running backs. You've got a guy like Michael Thomas, a, a great wide receiver. But I think that kind of lends um, some some background or some some data to the idea that maybe do we undervalue rookie picks? I mean, if you got 10 guys in, in three years new to the top 26, doesn't that mean we want to acquire those rookie picks and use them and keep them? Or, or do, does that not change our thinking about the value of rookie picks looking at this? Well, I, I think that you have to be cautious. You know, as I have just finished talking about, I don't want any of the old wide receivers on my team. I think you have to be cautious about being too caught up in the uh, youth and the excitement over these rookies and, you know, younger players, you know, when you start looking at these guys, I just, I think this is a very interesting statistic and this comes straight out of the analytics of dynasty shout out to, to Jordan McNamara, but, and I'm curious what you guys, so Will and Ryan, if you guys had to, to tell me of running backs taken in the first round of startup picks in the last 10 years, what do you think on average are the number of top 24 seasons that those running backs taken in the first round of startups give you over the first five years after you draft them? How many 
top 24 seasons on average do you think you get out of those guys? Round one. I'm going to go – I'll go go, four. Okay. Ryan, what about you? I'm going to take the under. I've I've read the the book as well, and I'm trying to remember what it is, but it's fresh in your mind and in front of you. So, Trey, so why don't you tell us? Yeah, I'll tell you. And and I think Will – honestly, Will's response is probably very – close to what I think the average dynasty player would, would tell you it's 2.7. Okay. So essentially, and and this is top 24, right? So these are guys you're taking in the top 12 picks of a dynasty startup. And in the next five seasons on average, they're going to give you roughly two and a half top 24 seasons. If you go to the second round, it drops to 1.96. So you're getting less than two or, or essentially two out of five. You know, you go to the third round of startups and you're getting 1.6. It's it's not a lot different at wide receiver. You know, the the, the race for wide receiver, it's, it's 2.47 top 24 seasons for round one startup picks. It's 2.08 for round two. And, and by the time you get to round three, it's only one and a half over five seasons that you get top 24 performance. So what, what I think that says to me is that more of these – picks in these top two rounds are going to miss year over year than are going to hit year over year, which I think points to an increased variability and a variance as we, you know, look back at ADP, you know, one year, two year, three years in the past. So I think what that means moving forward is, you know, that the, the more of these assets you can have, you know, it lends to trading down in startup picks, which, you know, Jordan talks about in his book. To me, it, it favors the strategy I've always had, which is diversifying in an auction. You know, instead of spending 25% of my budget on Saquon Barkley, I'll spend, you know, maybe 18% on, you know, two third round running backs. So then I've got, you know, kind of two shots to hit instead of one. Um, so anyway, I, I just thought those were interesting. I, I think sometimes we put a little bit too much confidence in ourselves to make really good picks early in startups. Yeah. And uh, the is one of the things I want to say about looking 2016 to 2019, some of the guys that moved up like Jandre Hopkins is one spot. Todd Gurley moved up a few spots. That was, that wasn't a smooth ride. You know, those guys and where you're talking about trade, like variance in the way players perform year over year, you, you can't like try not to be arrogant enough to, to think that this person is going to be a top 24, top 12 player for you year over year. Like Todd Gurley moved up, but his, his 2017 was horrible, uh, and then his 2018 was, you know, was great and he, you know, set the world on fire. But uh, sorry, his 2016 because we're going into that year. His 2016 was horrible. 2017 was great anyway. Uh, same with Jontre Hopkins. He moved down to a second round pick the, the year after that. Uh, and so yeah, that was one of the lessons I, I learned from kind of looking at this as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Will. And um, yeah, yeah, two things: pay attention to guys that maybe have a dip in value that have the, the draft pedigree and, and the situation like DeAndre Hopkins was a great buy situation. And we're, we're so influenced by what we last saw on the field. Right. Uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, the Damian Williams effect, you know, everyone, you know, he, he's, his value is kind of propped up right now because, you know, we see what he's done, you know, towards the end of the year for the Kansas city chiefs. And also I, I with you Trey on, on, on training back, we, we, I think all three of us have advocated that since we started the podcast really in the startup draft trade back, and, and this kind of shows you why it works because if you trade back just a little bit and you get, and, and Jordan talks about this in his book in a startup, you trade back, you get more chances early in the draft um, where an example he gives is if you, 
um, trade maybe your first round pick and you get, if you're lucky enough to get a second and a third, maybe a future rookie pick, you've just got more chances to hit on these guys because we, we really think we know more than we do. And, and so much can happen. Even if we're right on with a guy, uh, an injury happens or maybe that player gets traded or you, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I kind of want to jump ahead guys and, and look at, I mean, kind of briefly, position by position and my favorite place to look with this comparison is, is the uh, running backs uh, situation because running back is, is amazing without reading the names. When you look at 2016 versus 2019 here, January, only four guys in the top 12 ADP in January, 2016 are in the top 12 in 2019. And then only five of the top 24. So there, there's a ton. If you look at the top 25 breakdown, you've got three that are in the top 12 in both years, and then one in the top 25 beyond those top 12, and then 10 rookies, new players, and only one riser. So, uh, this is probably due to those amazing draft classes. You know, in, in 2016, um, you know, later on in the year, you know, Zeke uh, joins the NFL, so he's there. And then 2017, 2018, you've got Barkley, CMC, Kamara. You know, we've got Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, all kinds of guys that are new to the league. But anything, any takeaways from that? I mean, I've always thought this too with with running backs that, you know, they they can fade quickly. I mean, yes, you've got guys like Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson that are still valuable dynasty assets. But number five on this list in 2016, TJ Yeldon. Maybe he's a buy this year at his price, but you drafted TJ Yeldon at an ADP. <laughs> it says on this, uh, he was 34. 34. The third, into the third round, you took TJ Yeldon in 2016. Right after him, you took Lamar Miller into the third round. <laughs> then you had D- Doug Martin. It's crazy. Um, so th- thoughts about running backs? I think that with running backs, and, and again, I, I'm going to plug uh, Jordan's book because, you know, I think with running backs, it's very important that you take into consideration their draft capital. Um, And and I think that it's important to also, you know, he talks in the book about weight. And I think that's something, you know, I know last year, Tim Torch, um, you know, when we were doing our rookie mock and one of us took Ronald Jones expressed serious concern about his size. You know, it's, it's, I think one of the reasons why a guy like Philip Lindsay, you know, he's a huge outlier as far as, you know, his weight and being able to contribute year over year at the running back position. So I think, you, and again, you, you can go back. I mean, Doug, Doug Martin was a first-round draft pick. I mean, TJ Yeldon was taken early second. So, you know, the, the, these are not, you know, what, what I think is important by remembering, you know, when you look at hit rate at running back, you know, the hit rate of the first three rounds of the NFL draft compared to rounds four and beyond are significantly different. So it doesn't mean that you're going to get it right every time you take a first-round running back. But it means the more often that you're taking running backs picked in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, you're, you're just more like – it's just a better odds of hitting. And, and so I just think it's important to, you know, not get too enamored with youth, not get too enamored with um, a particular player. Um, but, you know, look at their profile. Look at, you know, their size. Look at their BMI. Look at the draft capital. Look at the opportunity, the offense they play in. Um, and, and I think that's really important. I think, you know, David Johnson's a great example of that, right? Coming into this year, David Johnson was a top five startup pick in redraft and dynasty. Um, and he had had a phenomenal year, but, you know, the offense that he was going to be a part of looked 
you know, the offensive line. So you, you and I think some, sometimes we just tend to ignore those factors because of what we've seen in the past. So you got to change with new information as things change, as players situations change, you've got to adjust on the, on the fly. So, so on average in a full PPR league, I did this uh, research last year. So in 20, so we're, when we're coming into this 2016 ADP, so the top running back in a full PPR, uh, they, they, he scored, it was, you know, Devontae Freeman scored 318 points. The average of the top 12 was 229. When we moved just one year forward for that 2016 year that these players were drafted, that top player was 407. Uh, the top three, you know, with that in there, averaged just under 350, and the, the top 12 was 274. So when you make a jump of over 40 points on average for the top 12 running backs, and you make a massive leap of just under eight or uh, just under 90 for the top player. That's why I feel the running backs were pushed up after this. So this is the, the rapid reaction, which I think is what we're looking at for that 2016 year. Because that 2015 year was so bad for running backs overall. That was a horrible, horrible running back year. And you see that reflected instantly in the dynasty ADP here versus 20, this year that we just ran was a great running back year. And that's why we had this big influx. And I, I think it's a good time to look at are we overvaluing what we're doing here in the first rounds, first two rounds, and can you move back and get more value later? And that's a, uh, I just want to bring up the points there because running backs won leagues, you know, through these past couple of years. And it wasn't really that way in 2015, even with Devonte Freeman, he won you maybe a league because you didn't pay anything for him, but his points value overall wasn't the same as what it's been these last couple of years. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it just illustrates how drastically the landscape has changed with running backs. You know, I don't know that there's as much to take away when we look at wide receivers, just to, you know, talk about the highlights. When we jump to wide receivers, you've got 10 guys that are in the top 24, um, you know, in, in, in both timeframes in 2016 and in 2019. Then you have nine, you know, new additions, guys named to the league. And then you've got five guys that kind of rose into the um, top 24. Um, I, I think if you look at wide receivers, though, there are some interesting stories. Um, you know, like, like the Devonte Adams, uh, you know, story where he's a guy that, you know, had, the, I believe it was a second round pick that, that the, you know, Green Bay Packers took him. He was disappointed in the first couple of years, but he had the pedigree and the skill set to rise. And a lot of people gave up on him and, and, you know, they regretted it. Um, you know, guy and guys like Stefan Diggs, where, um, I, I was it you know, he was drafted late, but I think a lot of that had to do with injuries, right? And and just maybe lack of production in college. I, I should know more about his college background than I do. But um, yeah, so so it's interesting. May, what, do you guys have any, you know, observations for looking at wide receivers, 2016 versus 2019? Because it's not, there's nothing that, that pops out as vividly as, as it does with the running back situation to me. The, the big thing to me is, you know, um, and I mentioned, kind of alluded to this earlier when I was talking about the that second round and Antonio Brown and Julio and Thielen. Um, and I mentioned Marius Thomas, but but if you look a little further down and, and you know, basically that, you know, third round uh, section of the um, 2016 ADP, you know, you see these wide receivers, Calvin Johnson, age 30, Julian Edelman, age 29, Jeremy Macklin, age 27. Jordy Nelson, age 30. Brandon Marshall, age 31. Now, I know Jordy had a monster season. I think it was in – was it 2017 or was it 2016? I, I think it might have been 2016. And then 
was 2017 the year he got injured? I don't know. Anyway, I know that he had a monster year right around this time, but but you're, you're talking about five guys there. You know, I know Julian Edelman's still putting up production, but he, he's also 98 in January ADP here. So, you know, he, he's about 60 spots down. And I know you got some production from these guys in the meantime, but I, I just, again, you know, for me, I'm becoming increasingly, you know, recently I made a trade where I moved AJ Green for Allen Robinson, right? Which for me, I know that I'm maybe giving up a little production this year, but I also, you know, gained several years. So for me, I'm constantly looking at my dynasty rosters and I'm seeing wide receivers that are age 28 or older. And unless I'm just convinced that I really need them, I'm, I'm looking around for area. Uh, how can I move them to get a 25-year-old wide receiver, 26-year-old wide receiver, who, who I feel like is going to produce similarly, but constantly pr- get, gets me in a position where, I mean, these guys, some of these guys, and for different reasons, right? Calvin Johnson just retired. But some of these guys have absolute fall off and you invested in January of 2016, you invested a third round startup pick, which is huge. I mean, if you're not trading down to the third best player should be the third best best player on your team. And within 24 months, their value had dropped precipitously. So I, I just think you've got to be careful with, you know, again, not becoming just super enamored with age, but being aware, especially with these wide receivers, that, uh, you know, it, it can really catch up to you fast once they start getting past that at about age 28 season. Yeah, and, and, and Trey, this, this Jordy year, so this draft in 2016 was his year where he tore his ACL. So it's the season after that, because in 2016, he finishes the independent scoring for him at the wide receiver one. So he had finished as the wide receiver one right before right this? After, right after, he tore right his after. Okay. Was out for, he tore it in preseason like week three or four pretty late. So he's coming off the injury. Yeah. So that's probably, and that's why his, that's why he was being picked as late as he was. That's right. Cause I think prior to this, cause this is around 41 prior to this, he was like a top 20 pick. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he went for our top, top 10, maybe even. Yeah. And then you, yeah, you missed that year with his ACL unless that you traded him because he thought he wasn't going to come back. And then the next year when he's 30, so he was 29 tears his ACL and then turn, you know, in his 31-year-old season, comes back and goes for 12, 57, and 14 touchdowns. And that's the thing, you know, that that's the, what's crazy is people see that, and then they, they just think every 30- and 31-year-old wide receiver on their roster is going to do those things. I think it's going to be really interesting these next 24 months to see what the twilight of the career looks like for some of these absolute studs that are, you know, entering that age 30 and beyond. You know, Julio, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very pivotal to kind of see how that plays out. Even T.Y. Hilton, right? I mean, he's 29. I think he's he's heading toward that cliff as well. Um, so I, I think it's a very intriguing time in, um, in in dynasty fantasy football, watching these these guys and, and see what how, how the age um, impacts their production. Yeah, and it's one thing to worry about a guy like Julio Jones or A.J. Green. And, and I think you're right. I, I think you, you should be worried about them. But then I think guys that kind of fall into that category of Jeremy Macklin, um, you know, who in, in this list, he was, you know, number number 41, number 42 um, overall ADP, so the, the number 28 wide receiver, who was still producing back then, 
but now he's 30 and, and Jeremy Macklin just, he did kind of fall off a cliff, you know? So he, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's a producer, he's a good wide receiver, but I think those are the guys we really need to pay attention to where they get 29, 30 guys that are, are not elite. Even the elite guys like the AJ greens, Julio Jones, you have to worry about, but certainly those like pretty good wide receivers that I think when they get close to 30, I think those guys you really have to think about moving before it's too late. Better to move them a year too early than too late because those guys are just, you know, they're going to drop off a cliff quickly. So that's very well said. Better to move a, a year too early than a year too late. And again, I, I don't suggest you just give them away, but I mean, I, I think that, yeah, that's, that's well said. Well, I, I think that AJ Green example is a good one because I think sometimes I was going to ask you, well, you know, do you do you worry about, you know, selling him? Like, is it better off just to keep AJ Green and get the production on a contender versus try try to sell and get a younger wide receiver? But I think you're right. It doesn't mean you give him away. It means you find a deal that works for you. And I think, you know, you, you make some kind of, whether you have to package or whatever, and you change AJ Green into uh, Allen Robinson, I, I, that, that's a smart deal. You, you can still move those older guys. You might have to get creative, maybe, maybe package them, but they still have value on name recognition alone. So I, I, I like that point, Trey. Because yeah. I think sometimes we just think, okay, I've got A.J. Green, I've got Julio Jones, I'm a contender. I might as well just keep them because, yeah, they're going to go down in value, but at least I'll get the production in the next couple of years. But there's still some serious value with those guys. Yeah, but if I'm a contender, you know what I'm remembering? I'm remembering that A.J. Green hasn't helped me in the playoffs in two of the last three years. So, and, you know, you say, well, that you know, that's then, and injury prone's not a thing. And, hey, I mean, listen, I don't care how good the guy is. If he's not starting for me in weeks 15 and 16, the fact that I'm a contender and he's on my team is 100% meaningless. And that doesn't mean Allen. I mean, I know, I know Allen Robinson has missed some time recently as well. Um, but, you know, again, for me, Allen Robinson, you know, if you look here three years ago, I mean, Allen Robinson was being taken ahead of A.J. Green. And, you know, Andy's got the age. So um, I, I just think that for me, I, I'd like to get out a little early. And, and a guy like A.J. Green, the concern for me is that as he does get older, that these issues that he's having with these injuries is only going to continue. Yeah, just know that you're if you're relying on a guy like AJ Green, you're you're rolling the dice. Could could AJ Green, you know, win you your league in in 2019? Absolutely. But if you look at recent history with the injury history, if you look at the offense, let's be honest, it's not like that Cincinnati offense is exactly, um, you know, unbelievable with with a new coach coming in. You've got Tyler Boyd that's emerging. It's going to you know theoretically take away targets from AJ Green. So anyway, let's move on. Let's quickly talk about quarterbacks and tight ends and I think quarterbacks was kind of interesting and I think there are some takeaways here um what I thought was interesting is, is some of the guys that are elite guys maintain their value um if you look at the top four guys in 2016 you had Andrew Luck Cam Newton Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson one through four and you you fast forward to 2019 you've got Andrew Luck at number two Aaron Rodgers at number four Russell Wilson at number five and Cam Newton at number ten he might be a little bit lower because of, you know, the way he ended 2018 as well with, with the shoulder situation. So I, I thought that was, was kind of interesting. Also, I thought it was interesting that, that guys that um, like, like Bree Stafford and Brady guys that were top 12 picks went back and looked at 2014, you know, have kind of fallen off the list. So, uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of takeaways here. I think it, it's proof that in a startup, you can get some veteran guys late um, you can get yourself the Philip Rivers at um, 
ADP of 162 overall that can, can get you through. It looks like uh, Big Ben is, uh, wow, he's, he's 172, <laughs> the number 20 QB overall. So I, I, and it just shows that some of those league guys, I mean, I know Angelic was a roller coaster ride, obviously, but um, some of those league guys really retain their value. So thoughts on, on quarterbacks. And as you guys were talking about earlier, and maybe we'll bring up now, is you watch the difference in ADP averages for the top five quarterbacks in 2016 at this point in time versus the top five quarterbacks in 2019. We are the dynasty. If, if you say dynasty is affected by redraft values, this is a great example of how it is. It's, and if you, I mean, yeah, the, the number one quarterback this year, Patrick Mahomes, going at 26 and a half. Uh, and then the number two going at 66 and a half versus the number two before going at 29. And then you don't even hit the sixties until the fifth quarterback uh, in 2016. So I think people are, are miss like we're missing. Uh, we've gotten so into late round quarterback that it's affected dynasty very, 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 very hard. Yeah. And, and that's just to be clear on that. Well, that's a great point that, yeah, you look at 2016 um, you had essentially four QBs come, come off the board in the top 50 of ADP. And then you look at um, 2019, and, and Patrick Mahomes is the only guy. He's 27, of course, the, the new hotness. So, yeah, it, it's a great you, – you mentioned that before we started recording, and that's a great point, uh, Trey, that Will makes, is that we, we've got this pounded into our head, right? Late-round QB, late-round QB, and, and, and redraft values and, and how that influences us. So, so what do you think about QBs, Trey, here? Yeah, I, I'm completely on board with that. I do. I think that late-round quarterback has um, – pervaded uh, dynasty I think it's a very viable when you're when you're dealing with redraft typically not only are you only picking players for one year but your uh, bench is often much smaller and so there's less players rostered throughout the league and so the, the ability to take a quarterback late in stream and of course we're talking non-super flex here but um, in dynasty it's a little different you're dealing with deeper rosters and so there's not going to be oftentimes in one quarterback dynasty leagues startable uh, quarterbacks on the waiver wire and and so you know again referring back to this book that Jordan McNamara has put together you know the, you look at this the same numbers that I talked about earlier for you know running back and wide receiver starter seasons um, top 12 seasons is what it looks at for quarterbacks and so quarterbacks taken in the top three rounds of dynasty startups um, on average over the first five years after that startup produce basically about three and a quarter to three and a half on average uh, starter seasons in five years. So top 12 quarterback, three to three and a half times on average. Uh, Rounds four and five of startup, which is still pretty early. I mean, again, only one quarterback right now in ADP is in those top five rounds. Uh, Rounds four and five uh, in the past 10 years, again, historical data, it's, it's about two out of five. After that, um, there's only one other round. It's round seven. That's more than one and a half. Everything else is, um, you know, it's 10, 1.07, 1.31, 1.27. So the reality is that if you don't take a, a, a quarterback in the first five rounds of a startup, historical data shows that in the five years after that startup, that you're going to get no more than one um, starter season or top 12 quarterback season from that quarterback. So I, I just feel like that, you know, and, and this is something that I think Jordan and, you know, we're going to have him on here uh, this off season and talk a little bit more about his book, a little more in depth, but, you know, I think there's a lot of people that really poo poo taking an elite quarterback 
uh, early in a startup draft that's not super flex. But I think that that's a misnomer. And I think that there's a real opportunity to gain an advantage, you know, talking about wins over replacement player. You know, these early quarterbacks have huge advantages over replacement players at the position. So, um, and, and of course, even with, with super flex, that's even more important. And I'm becoming a much bigger proponent even of in super flex of taking quarterbacks um, earlier and, and solidifying that position from the very beginning. So I, 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 you know, looking at this, it, it's just, I think that we're kind of missing the boat a little bit. There's some overcorrections that are taking place in the market that the, the rush to running backs early and, and the pushing off quarterbacks until later, um, I think is a little, is a little bit riskier. Yeah, as you can tell, we've been uh, – the Fantasy Joes are big fans of Analytics of Dynasty by Jordan McNamara. We're going to have Jordan on soon. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Use referral code Fantasy Joes because uh, I think we might sell a couple books. Um, <laughs> now, case in point, quickly, you know, if you look at outside the top four that I named in 2016, you know, five through 12, you got Jameis Winston, Big Ben, Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Andy Dalton, and Carson Palmer. Some of you are like – Oh, I'll wait on QB. I'll just take Carson Palmer. I'll take Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota. How do you feel about that today? Even in a one quarterback league, heaven forbid, you know, in a, in a, in a super flex or two QB league. So guys, we only have a few minutes left to talk about tight ends. And, and I'm not sure what there is to say about tight ends. I, I think one of the things to say is that, you know, if you look at 2016, there were a lot of, of guys that were kind of in the prime that you, you could rely on. You had a guy like Tyler Eifert, who was number two. He, we were we excited about Greg Golson at number four, Jordan Reed at number five. Um, uh, then some older guys, you know, get, get down the list. You know, Delaney Walker at number 11. Julius Thomas had that big year at number 10. Gary Barnage kind of came out of nowhere at number nine. Um, and, and there aren't a lot of guys that, that are still – in the top 12, you know, now essentially we have four, you got Kelsey number one in 2019, you got Ertz at number two, Eric Ebron at number seven and Gronk holding on at number nine. So, and a bunch of younger guys, you know, Kittle, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, guys that weren't even in the league are, are, you know, filling out the rest of that, uh, that top 12. So any takeaways? I mean, I, for me, I just, I just, my takeaway is that we lost a lot of, or we're losing a lot of those older reliable tight ends. Um, that are, you know, just retiring or aged out of the league or whatever. But any thoughts here that you want to share with the few minutes we have left about tight ends? I think for me, and I know this may not be a popular take, but for me, uh, I think it's time to get out on Travis Kelsey. And again, um, I think Travis Kelsey is going to be the tight end one next year. I I don't think that that's changing. Um, But I also am willing to admit that he's 29 years old. He's the same age as Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, say what you will, but Rob Gronkowski, I think, has as close to zero dynasty value as he possibly can right now. And, and I know that the quarterback situation is different and the, the outlook is different, but um, I think that we're about to see a tight end resurgence in the NFL. I think right now you've got um, Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle in this tier of their own, and then there's kind of everybody else in this next tier that's, I think, a wide gap there. And I think that we're going to see a resurgence. I think some of these younger guys that are starting to log some, you know, the, the Gerald Everett's, the John New Smith's, I think even a guy like Mike Kosicki, this tight end class coming into the NFL is going to be really, really solid. So again, I don't, I don't say go out and trade Travis Kelsey for peanuts, but I mean, he's currently ADP of 22 right now. You know, he's going ahead of Amari Cooper. He's going ahead of Brandon Cooks. He's going ahead of, um, you know, 
guys like carry uh, Johnson and Dalvin cook, if you need running back help, I, I just think that um, while he's a, a strong positional advantage right now, I don't know how much longer that lasts. And I think I'd like to capitalize on that value before he drops way down the startup ADP, which I think is coming in the next 24 months. Yeah, interesting point. I mean, the only counter I will say with Travis Kelsey is that if you look at his history versus Gronk, I think he's missed like one game in his career. You know, Gronk has this deep injury history that Kelsey doesn't have. But you're right, 29 years old, definitely a a, a warning sign there. Um, but it's possible he still has some years of production left. Well, and you got the final final thought here, and 30 seconds or less. What say you on these tight ends? Oh yeah, I was just thinking that uh, none of the players in, in 2016 had set the receiving yard records for tight end. So <laughs> maybe it's a good time to buy Kittle. Uh, this is, uh, goes back to our last episode. I'm actually, I Trey, I'm a hundred percent on that Travis Kelsey. It's to me, this is that year where it's, you're trying to sell, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a year early, but at least it's not a year late. And you look at ADP and you look at where these guys are going and maybe you get one of those running backs. He feels more of a stalwart. Like you make a trade up to one of those guys that's in that top 10 ADP that you don't feel is going to fall out. Like, don't trade Kelsey in a James Conner deal. Don't trade Kelsey in a Philip Lindsay deal. Trade Kelsey in something that you're going to get, uh, you know, maybe move up into a, a you know, a, a Barkley or Mayor type of situation, something you feel much more comfortable about. Anyway, I, I really love that opinion. And with that, we got to close the show, everybody. We are the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter, at FFJoes. You can find us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash fantasyjoes and become a Patreon supporter. Get exclusive episodes we only share with our patreon patrons it's worth it it's cheap check it out so thanks for listening we'll catch you next time we are the fantasy jokes